This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. What is up, Elevate? Welcome back. How are you doing? This is the best night of the week. Oh man, I get so giddy looking forward to Wednesday nights with you guys. And tonight, something very special is happening. You're not listening to my voice for the next 30 minutes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the excitement. No, no. Uh, But I am very pleased um, to welcome up our speaker for tonight. You know him and you love him. And it is our brother, Elijah Berg. So please come on down, Elijah. Come on up. I want to turn the mic over to you. Well, you at least know me. Thank you. Ah, That one's gone. What is up, Elevate? Everything's falling out today. Bear with me, because I'm going to get us there before um, I fight with this during the message. I was going to collect them for you. Oh. They're not collector's items, but you can have them. All right. So I would like to start off just by uh, saying uh, this is a lot of study and a lot of uh, scaredness, but I will, I will do my best uh, under the Lord's provision to accurately um, display his word to you. Um, I will also shout down anybody on their phones tonight. Oh, I love you so much. But... I watch you do it to Dom. I'll not watch you do it to me. Anyway, <laughs> let's pray. Now, oh, dear Lord, I know this is nothing of me, and that is only what you have provided. Lord, I pray that as you provided in study, you will provide through words and come and take over here. I love you, Lord. I seek to glorify you. Lord, let this make some sense. I love you. Amen. All right. So, I have entitled my message, Jesus' Invitation to Rest. The Lord of the Sabbath is calling people to his rest. What is the best rest that you can think of? You know, like, what's the best rest? For me, I always loved, like, at the end of the semester, you know, uh, like your first semester, Christmas is coming around, and you've got, like, a solid two weeks. Sometimes it was, like, a whole month if you, like, were exempt from exams. I think they only did it at Homo Christian. Anyway, it was always cold, you know. It's not like summer break where if you walk outside for two seconds, you're about to die. Uh, anyway, me and my brother, whole time uh, during Christmas break, we were camping out, burning things, killing things, blowing things up. Uh, we had tons of fun. It was the exact mental break that I needed after a semester of school. Um, it was just the best rest. So in the scripture we're going to study today, Jesus is inviting people to a different kind of rest. Uh, one that far surpasses normal human rest. Uh, and uh, the text we're going to be looking at is in Matthew 12. So if you have your Bibles, open up and we'll kind of be jumping back and forth uh, to Matthew. Also, a little bit of chapter 11. Let's look at the text. Uh, 
Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. For my yoke is easy. Oh, I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And in Matthew 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor those who were with him, but only for the priests. Have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the simple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So, what is the Sabbath? In the Old Testament, Moses was given laws, and one of them, uh, a fairly important one, was to keep the Sabbath day holy. Uh, It was one of the Ten Commandments. You might know it. And he, uh, God, whenever he created, you know, there are six days of creation, and on the seventh day is whenever he stopped and rested. Here, Moses is given the command to do the same. Stop and rest. It was a day of just being with the Lord. It was awesome. Let's look at the, the beginning of the text again. Matthew 12, 1 through 2. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, and began to pluck heads of grain. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath. So, uh, Jesus and his disciples are confronted. Uh, Jesus was a fairly famous guy, making pretty big claims about who he was, and here he's seen breaking the law. What's up with that? Oh, paper. So why would somebody who claims to be the Messiah be breaking the law? Let's look at Jesus' defense, starting in 12, Matthew twelve three through 4 He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him. Jesus starts his defense uh, by going uh, back to a story from David. David in the Old Testament, and at this time in David's life, this is sometime after he's killed Goliath, after he's played harp for the king for a while because the king started going crazy. And then the king, again, was going crazy, got super jealous of David because David was about to be king, you know, in just a few years. And he went on these escapades trying to hunt David down and kill him. And David got kind of tired of almost being killed, he ran for the hills. So, this is where we are. Um, David starts running. He's with some friends of his. They stop off at the temple and ask for provisions from the priests. And they're like, hey, look, we don't have anything for you except for this bread that is for God, and no one can eat it. Like, this was bread that only the priests could have once it was swapped out with fresh bread. Strange that God wanted bread, but whatever. He gets what he wants. David takes it anyway, and is considered blameless for it, I guess, because the priest gave it to him, and he's on his merry way. 
So kind of an odd thing for Jesus to bring up. But what's so important about that story? What's so important about David? You know, David was known for tons of things. Uh, some of them were great, and some of them were really, really bad. He was a man of God. He was righteous. Uh, but he also killed innocent people. He killed a giant. He slept around. You know, it's, he's a strange guy. So why is Jesus comparing his current situations to David? David's from way back when. See, although David was just a man, God chose to use his life as an arrow pointing to Jesus. That's why he was so famous. He was sort of like uh, an arrow pointing to the Messiah. This specific story is one where David, the anointed king, who was considered God's righteous man, was uh, being hunted by a man who was currently in power in Israel, Saul. So when you kind of think about it, it parallels the story of Jesus pretty well. Jesus was a guy in Israel coming into power soon um, that people thought was going to be the king, and he was constantly being hunted by the Pharisees, accused, um, and just generally hated by the people in power, not the rest of the people. So if these Pharisees were asked who was right in the story of David, running from Saul, eating bread that he wasn't supposed to, who do you think that they would you know, side with? Would they be like, hey, Saul, you murdering, terrible king who's going crazy. We think you were right. Or they go with David, who was considered one of the best kings ever in Israel's history. They go with David. Um, and of course they put themselves on that side of history, because that's the winning side of history. You know? I'm sure if... Never mind. <laughs> you know, they would never side with an evil king. So, Jesus reveals that even though they believe themselves to be judging rightly, they're truly standing um, on the wrong side of history because they weren't agreeing with Jesus, whose story was basically the same. So, they're standing right there with Saul, who is a monster and a murderer. Let's look at what happened to those priests after they helped David. After helping David, just giving him bread, Saul tracks them down, not only kills the priest in charge, but kills like 85 other priests. For what reason? Just slaughtering the men of God. That's who Jesus is comparing the Pharisees to. So, Jesus is the Messiah, greater than David. David was merely a shadow who represented, but wasn't the exact picture. Jesus was the one. That was the substance. So we're beginning to see the Pharisees didn't quite comprehend who they were confronting. The next step in Jesus defending himself uh, is where he brings up the priesthood and the temple. Let's look at verse 5 through 6. Matthew 12, 5 to 6. Have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. So just as Jesus exalts himself above David, who everyone said was great, he does the same with the priests in the temple. But why are the priests in the temple important here, or at all? We can get to understand that in a second. First, what is a mediator? Or what is the temple? So uh, are there any fans of... Marvel movies, okay, a few. DC, notably less. Good job. Oh, Gavin. Okay, <laughs> Disney. All right, we've got the girls and Brian. Okay, um, <laughs> so 
before COVID, obviously, before streaming services, how were you able to go and see these awesome movies that these companies put out? I just said before streaming services. <laughs> okay, but thank you for the cooperation. Good job! Okay, so you went to a movie theater. A place where you could watch a movie. Now, when you get in the movie theater, you sit in a chair, and you look at this giant screen. Okay? The screen acts as a mediator, a sort of like a priest would do, between yourself and this world that is totally inaccessible without it. And the theater is the place where you can meet that world. Similarly, the temple and the priests were the only way to have access to God. Which, formerly, the people had really no access to because of their sin. So after the fall, um, people just couldn't be with God. God was the greatest thing, and there's just absolutely no access. Then laws come out, and sacrifices have to be made for your sins so that you can be with God. But who's going to give those sacrifices but a mediator, a priest? It became completely necessary for the people of Israel. And then where were you going to make those sacrifices? Just randomly out in the wilderness? You had to go to a place where God was if you were going to do that, which was the temple. Now here Jesus comes on the scene to say that he's greater than both the priests and the temple, which blows people's minds because that is an extremely tall claim. To be greater than the place where God is? To be greater than the people who would connect you to God? That's insanity. What could be greater than a place to meet God or a person that could mediate between God and man except for God himself, our Lord? Let's look at verse 5 real quick. 12.5 Have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. How do the priests profane the Sabbath? So all day long, while you were bringing sacrifices to the priests because you wanted to be forgiven of your sins, they were butchering animals, chopping wood, making fires, cleaning probably lots of blood, which was work. It was labor. It was labor. This was not an easy task. You were doing this all day long uh, on the Sabbath. Why did God not smite them for breaking the law? I mean, he very well could have. They were straight up breaking the law. So what's Jesus trying to say when he's talking about the, fa- the priests here who were breaking the law on the Sabbath? He's again insinuating that he is greater than something the Pharisees held in the highest regard. The priesthood in the temple meant everything to the Pharisees. And there was nothing greater. If the Pharisees weren't going to condemn the priests when they were blatantly breaking the law, for a good reason, then they had better not condemn Jesus for picking grain and eating it. Jesus is revealing a double standard that the priests had. And yet again, we see the Pharisees had no clue who it was they were passing judgment on. Jesus is truly the greatest mediator between God and man, and he's the ultimate temple, because he is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, you take these claims, Jesus is calling himself better than David, who again, 
probably the most well-respected man or king in Israel's history. And he's calling himself better than the temple and the priesthood, which the most respected group of people and place ever in Israel. If those claims are true about Jesus, that he's greater than those two things, that's a claim to deity. He can only be God himself to be greater than those things. Jesus must be God. See, Jesus is the real thing. And the things that were held in high regard are nothing but, again, shadows. Just a distorted figure that lacked depth. Don't reveal what the true substance is. Now, how does Jesus being God relate to the Sabbath? Look at Matthew 12, 7 through 8. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Let's look at that first part right quick. So, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. It's, I had trouble understanding what it meant. Maybe you do too. So I'll clarify. It's a callback to what was written by the prophet Hosea way before Jesus was around in Hosea 6. So after, yet again, Israel has disappointed the Lord in some way, God speaks through a prophet to get Israel back right. And he's talking about how you know, Israel, you're, you're so fast to do these rituals and to sacrifice animals and act like you're repenting, but really you're as easily changing as, as the dew. You, know, you show up in the morning and you're just gone that fast. Uh, your repentance is it's nothing. But then he says something very important. He says... But I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God, the knowledge of me, rather than burnt offerings. See, the Lord wants real repentance. Not just meaningless sacrifices. He wants a heart change. And desire for him more than he wants your ritual or your tradition. So why does Jesus want us to be focused on that? On him wanting heart change and not just a ritual. You're all doing great at not being on your phones, by the way. I love you guys. So, what had Israel done with the law? They had completely distorted it. Um, they had interpreted it wrongly. Jesus meant for the Sabbath law to be something completely different than what they had made it into. It was deeper than just going through the motions. It had to do with the heart. And again, it was just a shadow that they were focused on. Not the true substance. Jesus reveals that he is God. First of all, we got to that earlier, right guys? Which means that he decides the Sabbath's meaning. The God who created the law obviously has the right to interpret the law. And that's exactly what Jesus starts to do. The Pharisees have no right to decide this meaning. Jesus is taking a whole sledgehammer to their wrong traditions concerning the Sabbath. And Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He's got complete authority over it. So what is the true Sabbath if what has been focused on for so long is inaccurate. So, when you think about when the Sabbath was founded, that was before the fall of man, when God had perfectly made the world on the seventh day he rested, right? Got to that earlier. So, this law about that ought to remind us of that. It's, it's this arrow 
pointing back to the pre-fall state where we were sinless and we could have a relationship with God that was perfect, full of rest, and we were with God. So that new Sabbath law ought to provoke a, a longing and a repentance, a heart change that leads you back to the, to the beginning. The Sabbath is an arrow pointing back to the way our relationship with the Lord used to be, and its purpose is heart change. The beauty of this all is that Jesus doesn't just clarify the meaning of the Sabbath and then leave us sorrowful, wishing for what we cannot obtain, but he also provides the way for restoration. See, it's more than just, hey, you guys are focusing on the wrong thing. You should be focusing on going back to the right relationship with the Lord. He actually makes a way for the relationship with the Lord. Look at uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's using workful terms, but talking about rest, which is a little bit confusing, uh, but it begins to make sense. When you think about a yoke, a yoke is what an ox would wear when he's joined to another ox, pulling a plow through a field or, or whatever. You know, So it's this big wooden thing across their necks. And see, the picture here is that you are now, if you're not saved, yoked to your sin and bondage. And you have no rest because you're constantly lugging around sin and bondage. So, <laughs> the rest that Jesus offers is to be yoked with him. See, two cooperating ox make easy work of plowing. It's still plowing. You're still his. You still have to do his things. But it's easy work. Because our Lord is strong. So this rest is from sin. And the rest also ties directly to the Sabbath that he's been talking about. And we see that the Sabbath rest is not so shallow as we had first assumed, but it's directly tied to repentance and salvation. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He has authority over it and its true meaning. And he's inviting us to true rest, where our sins are no longer our bondage, they're no longer our work. Along with authority over the Sabbath, he has power to change hearts and forgive sins, which has always been the desire of the Father who wants desperately to be back into communion with us, like he was in the pre-fall state. He's, he's inviting us to repent and be saved by taking on the work he offers. We're to throw off these, uh, this, this bondage, this yoke that we have formerly had with sin, and to be yoked to him. We can be restored to the rest and relationship we had before the fall, through the Lord of the Sabbath. We just need to embrace his rest. Rest from our sinful ways. So, the Lord of the Sabbath is inviting people to his rest. Um, and I invite you to respond to that. Because I would like to bet that there's a lot of people here that are still yoked to their sin. Sin is bondage. It's a yoke where you are constantly dragging behind a burden 
that only the Lord can, can rid you of. Yoke yourself to him. So here's a recap. Jesus is the Messiah. Greater than David. Jesus is greater than the priesthood and the temple. And these facts verify Jesus' deity and solidify his authority. He is God. Because of his authority, Jesus decides the true interpretation of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is truly an arrow pointing back to the way our relationship with God used to be, and its purpose is to change hearts. The Lord of the Sabbath is inviting people to his rest. Take it. Throw off your sin. It's not work that you were ever designed to do. We've got a couple of challenges as well. Challenge one. Make a habit of turning times of rest into God's time instead of scrolling through Instagram or TikTok, which is very, very easy to do. I'd call that a yoke of bondage myself. Uh, Throw it off. (laughs) Second, pick a Bible passage. Please, I, I beg you to do this. This is one of the most crucial things to your relationship with the Lord. Pick a Bible passage and read it. And then reread it and study it until you know it and can apply it. It's, it really is life-changing. It helps you to clearly see God uh, and it just deepens your relationship with him. And it can be done from a place of rest. Sit in a chair. That's all I've got for you guys. Um, I'd like to pray us out. So, you guys want to bow your heads? Dear Lord, thank you so much for providing rest for us. Lord, there is, there is nothing that we could do to throw off these toils on our own, to, to get rid of this work that we're, that we're in bondage to, this sin. But Lord, you make a way. And then Lord, after you've made a way to free ourselves, you give us yourself. God, that we can bond ourselves to you and then walk alongside you. And then our work can be rest. And being with you is, is rest. Lord, help us to embrace this Sabbath that you offer. The perfect rest. Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you for your revelation through your word. And thank you, God, for being in control. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. My favorite part of that was when he used the imagery of the yoke and the oxen and how if we carry our burdens by ourselves, we are weighed down and it is heavy and it is hard. But when we give it to God, it is so much easier to carry because we're not carrying it ourselves. He has it. So good job. Um, Our major announcement is Elevate Sunday. That's right. So... If you haven't talked to Brian yet, do you want to come? Yeah, so come find me as when we dismiss, and we'll sign up type thing. And so we'll be here at 845 on Sunday morning, and it'll be a lot of fun. So any other announcements? Okay. We have a clipboard? Awesome. Sweet. Yeah, well, I just want to say two things about Elijah's uh, message. So first off, 
to me, it's just crazy. I mean, we went over, what, 10 or 11 verses? It's crazy how much, like, meat is on the bone. Like, it's like there's so much. And then another funny thing to me is, you know, so here's Jesus in this showdown with the Pharisees, right? It's like, so me, in the moment, I'm, I would be like, uh, yeah, well, it's not like that, man. And then later that night when I'm taking a shower or like laying in bed, I would be like, you know what I should have said? I should have said that thing about David and the bread. They're like, Jesus is just like, pow, pow, right there in the moment, hitting them with like big stuff about history and like a true meaning of like what's really going on with them. It's just insane to me because I don't know. It's just not how I'm wired. So, all right, that's all I got. So meet me and, and then we'll, uh, we'll have the sign up. I'll let you pray us out. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for gathering all of us here tonight to hear your word, God, and to learn more about you. God, I thank you for using Elijah to speak your word to um, every student here, God. Um, And I just pray that if any student in here has not surrendered their life to you, has not given that burden to you yet, God, that they would lay that down at your feet and that they would know that they don't have to carry that by themselves, Lord. We love you and we praise you and we thank all of We thank you, and we pray all of this in your heavenly name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus. Jesus.